we thank you. Mm. Yes. For your goodness. For your mercies. Thank you for your healing. We just love you this morning. We want to come and worship you. Praise you. Give you all the glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Don't Amen. try to blow the horn today. No. No. <laughs> we don't want to pop any clogs. So I am so thankful Jack came through his surgery and we had a good and safe trip home from Oklahoma City with his wife driving. (laughs) (laughs) I I prayed peace. He almost went too far yesterday in harassing me about it. <laughs> you know when the... <laughs> Here's... Well, thank you. And for that, I'm very grateful. So, let's, let's give him thanks. <laughs> we'll get off of this subject. <laughs> A humble and a contrite heart is a good attitude to have. Because <laughs> his attitude yesterday, he was fixing to get smacked. <laughs> good thing you were still healing. <laughs> I am very thankful. Amen. doesn't take a trophy to make you proud I'll never be more loved than I am right now I'm going through a storm but I won't go down I hear your voice carried in the rhythm of the wind to call me been closer than you are right now. Oh, Jaira, you are enough. Jaira, you are enough. 
everything I need you provide everything I need you provide everything I need you provide Jehovah Jireh you are enough Jehovah Jireh you are enough going through a storm but I won't go down I hear your voice carried in the rhythm of the wind to call me out you would cross an ocean so I wouldn't drown you've never been closer than you are right now Jaira you are enough oh Jaira you are enough I will be content in every circumstance You are enough, forever enough, always enough, more than enough, forever enough, always enough, more than And 
tree are all things. Lord, you deserve the glory. You are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. For from you are all things. You deserve the glory. You are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. For from you are all things, and to you are all things. You deserve the glory. Night and day let praises rise. Day and night, night and day let incense rise. Day and night, night and day let praises rise. Day and night, night and day let incense rise. Praises arise day and night, night and day, let incense rise day and night, night and day, let praises rise day and night, night and day, let incense rise. You are worthy of it all you are worthy of it all for from you are all things and to you are all things you deserve the glory you are worthy of it all Serve the glory, Lord. You deserve the glory.
such a great salvation. Shackles broken when we call on his name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, what a Savior. Hallelujah, hallelujah, what a Savior. a gentle shepherd, wounded healer, he makes us whole again, hallelujah, hallelujah, what a savior, hallelujah, hallelujah, what a savior. To save, only Jesus has the power to save. Hallelujah, what a Savior! Oh, what a Savior!
Worthy is the Lamb for sinners slain. Worthy is the Lamb for sinners slain. You died on the cross, then you rose from the grave. Worthy is the Lamb for sinners slain. Worthy is the Lamb for sinners slain. You died on the cross and then you rose from the grave. Worthy is the Lamb for sinners slain. the Lamb for sinners slain. I worship the Lamb for sinners slain. You died on the cross, then you rose from the grave. Worthy is the Lamb for sinners slain. You Holy are 
only are you, you Lord. Only are you Lord. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy are you, Lamb. best thing I can tell you that about my weekend is that God is good. <laughs> He's very good. Yeah. They told me not to use this for three days and I woke up this morning scratching it was itching so bad in my sleep that it caused me to, I was doing it involuntarily and I scratched the bandage off of it and I thought, my goodness. So, their recommendation was if you make it bleed, you got three to five minutes to bleed out. Do not try to drive. Call 911. And he reiterated that several times. So I woke up this morning. I thought, oh, don't. no, 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 no. <laughs> I don't need that. So God is good. And for that, I'm very thankful. And, uh, not knowing for sure if I'd be here this morning or not. Sean has agreed to come and share with us this morning. So we just bless our brother this morning, Lord. Thank you for the gifting that is in him and the word that is in him. And let it come forth in Jesus' name. Amen. Where's that Rusty? Hey, Rusty. I wrote this just for you. You need to come in here.
what I'm going to try to do is split screen on my iPad. I haven't done this very often, so hopefully it's going to work. And if I grimace at you, no, it's not because I'm laying conviction on you or trying to emphasize a point. Um, I bruised my tailbone about a week and a half ago, and if I move the wrong way, it hurts. <laughs> so the, don't believe this. Just believe the words. Don't, don't look at this. This isn't uh, going to give you the right, uh, the right thing. Um, okay. Well, Father, I ask for clarification of your word. Lord, I ask for an understanding. I ask for open hearts. Lord, I ask above all for your perfect will. Let the ears that are to hear, hear. In Jesus' name we pray. Um, today, more than anything, I think words and communication are probably one of the worst things that we see out there. We have so many people twisting words, turning words, putting words in different directions that don't mean what they should mean or have never meant before, but all of a sudden they mean something new and we're all supposed just to accept it. And I think that is, um, you know, it's, it's something that's, that's gone on for many, many years, but it's been exaggerated and amplified over these last five or six years. Um, and it's something that in the church we need to be very, very cautious of. Uh, and when I say that, I'm, I'm not talking about, you know, I've, I've spoken before about, about creative, the creative power of the word of the, of the, of the tongue and, and how we should watch what we're saying and watch what we're doing, and that's true. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking more about a misrepresentation or a misunderstanding of words and in that how we then relate to Christ, how we relate to our Father and how those words coming out of us should go to him in, in the process. Um, this all kind of came from, I, I'd been thinking about this for a couple of weeks, but last night, it was really funny, we went out with some friends, they just bought some land, and so we went out to their land, and we had a big fire pit, and we were enjoying walking around. He's got over a dozen peach trees on his land, and it's less than an acre. You believe that, Kay? Yeah. Peaches, everywhere. Like, and we just discovered them last night. Anyway, when we saw the peaches, I said, there's peaches bloody everywhere. And his son was there, who's 20 years old. He starts laughing. He says, bloody. You're from Canada. I get it, bloody, because it's an English phrase, right? I, don't, I never think of that. I never think about the phrasing and the differences between people. So if I've ever said anything to anybody where my phrasing has offended, please don't take it seriously. That's, that's not the intent. Dana knows what I'm talking about. When she went to Canada, first came up to Canada, there was more than one person that suddenly got offended with this little angel. Like, I'm serious. Like, I mean, don't get me... This woman has all the strength that Kay possesses and Laura possesses and any other woman who's a strong woman of God, but she chooses to represent herself in a, in a soft-spoken and direct manner, which I believe is very godly. So when she says something, she's also very cautious. She doesn't want to offend people. And she made these comments, and it was more than once where somebody got offended. Well, it was just common comments from down here, but up there they mean something completely different. And I won't go into that because it gets a little crude. <laughs> uh, but they do. And so she didn't know that. And so words, again, were misconstrued and misunderstood. When I was thinking about that in particular, and then the incident happened last night with the bloody terminology, I went, Father, you know, how do we, 
we must really mess things up a lot with our words. And he says, well, that's why I understand your heart and not your mouth. And I went, right. And of course, and that all falls back into relationship and knowing who Christ is. Um, so, you're going to be. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. I make raisin bread with raisins and cinnamon. And sometimes when I come into a church, I put the chairs in positions that people don't like. <laughs> I'm just saying, so if you're going to get offended, I use cinnamon in my raisin bread. That's right. <laughs> Dana's dad actually used to say that one. <laughs> um, you know, in 2 Timothy, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, where we stand in these last days. And that in the last days, you're going to have people that are lovers of self. They dishonor their elders. They misrepresent themselves. They maliciously gossip and malign people. A lot of it has to do with the word of God, right? And the word of God being manipulated and misconstrued. In the 1980s and 90s, we used to have a thing called Greasy Grace. Greasy Grace was something that was out there because it was like, well, I can do it and it'll be okay because God will forgive me. And you could apply that to whatever situation you were in. And again, there's a modicum of truth in that, but there's also, if you're living in a state of sin, then you're not repentant. And by repentant, I'm not talking about a Christianese word. I'm literally talking about saying, Father, I really messed up. And your heart pleading to him to change you. And then accepting that change when it comes, being repentant. These days, I don't know if anybody here is aware of it, But the youth of this generation and of the generation that has gone before this generation, my children's age, Justin's age, and under, um, so Dana's age basically, but under that, right, give or take five years, there's a lot of people out there that claim to be Christians that are living horrible existences under the guise of grace and an understanding of well, God's my daddy. He loves me. He knows. God is all love. It's all about love. That's what it's all about. It's not about anything else but love. In other words, I can do whatever I want because God loves me. My father was one of the best dads, and I don't say this lightly. I think he was probably one of the best dads I've ever known when it came to discipline. Um, one day... I decided to use my words wrong. My stepmother did something. I called her a witch with a bee. And before I could blink, my dad was on top of me, pinned me down and slapped me twice across the face and said, don't you ever speak that word towards Jackie or any other woman again. And if you do, it will be worse than this. That was sudden and immediate discipline and in that process what hurt me the most was not the slap across the place because I deserved it he didn't hit me hard he hit me hard enough and he did it in such a manner that it was not it was not aggressive it was not abusive 
after it was done, he said, now I want you to go to your room and think about what I just said. A couple minutes later, he came in, gave me a big hug, and we had a discussion about it. And he, at the end of the discussion, said, never again. What hurt me the most was my dad had to do that to me. My father had to hurt me because I was so stubborn I wouldn't listen. Did that mean he didn't love me? No. I think it's a strong representation of who God is. God will discipline us, and it may hurt momentarily. I have somebody right now that is going through a horrible time where he's going through things in his life, and he's saying, Lord, why have you left me? And I've had to say to him over and over again, he hasn't left you. Your situation was brought about by circumstances beyond your control and the will of individuals around you that you have no control over. That doesn't mean God's left you. That just means that other words have been spoken. Nor forsake you. My, one of my all-time favorite scriptures. Because when he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, that word never is actually repeated to perfection, which means it's seven times. The original transcript was, I will never, 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 never leave you nor forsake you. Never in perfection. Means it's not going to happen. <laughs> right? When Adam and Eve first walked the earth, they're probably one of the best representations of, and it's just a brief, brief little snippet in Genesis 3. Um, one of the best representations of God's relationship with us and what it was supposed to be. And the Lord said that he was walking in the cool of the day looking for Adam and Eve. And what did they say? They were in fear of him. And they said, why do you want to talk to us? Well, beforehand, they had talked, God talked to Adam all the time. This was his tradition. This was, his, this was the daily event. It was in the cool of the morning and the cool of the evening. God would come forward and would talk to Adam. They would name animals. He would talk to Eve. They would discuss the day. What a marvelous existence. You know, but do we understand that the moment that Christ died on the cross and came back on that third day, and then his Holy Spirit came as the comforter afterwards. That's the existence we have. Not that we're going to have in some future time. But we can take all of our Christianese, toss it out the window, and speak to God. The time that I have heard God's voice come to me, whether physically or in answer to prayer, is not what I've demanded. But when my heart is broken and I'm in a place of submission, God comes suddenly. Because he has a daddy's heart. He has a heart of the father who says, come here, you need a hug. We're going to make this right. And he provides what we need. Okay, now the proof of that in relation to prayer, in relation to going to the Father. I actually sometimes have a hard time even with the phraseology of prayer because we have distorted it so badly in this life. We have taken prayer and turned it into some functionality 
some Our Father, some Hail Mary, some induction of the Lutheran faith, the Episcopalian faith, the Methodist faith, the Baptist faith. We all have our own way, right? Because at one point or another we heard, and this is how you should pray, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And it goes on and on and on. And it becomes this spoken nonsense. Don't get me wrong, I'm not calling the word of God spoken nonsense. I'm calling the condition of our heart nonsense sometimes. It's nonsensical. It doesn't make sense. We're not actually speaking to God. We're just spewing out words. We have when Jesus spoke to the Samaritan woman I'm trying to stay on track because I could go a lot of places. When Jesus spoke to the Samaritan woman, um, she showed an attitude and a position of submission and reverence once she knew who Christ was. And even before then, she showed a place of honor by serving him which she should not do. Because if you don't understand the relationship between the Samaritans and the Jews, the Jews would, yeah, and a man and a woman, that's right, let alone a woman who's been married five times, whether it was through death or anything else, you have to understand not only did the Jews consider divorce reprehensible, but they considered multiple marriages reprehensible because that meant that that woman was touched by death, which was considered unclean. And then on top of that, they considered the Samaritans more unclean than the Gentiles because they were, in their words, literally, this is where the phrase came from, half-breeds. Okay? That's not a North American invention. And they were the uncleanest of the unclean, and yet Christ chose to reveal himself to a Samaritan woman first before anybody else. But she understood the promises. She understood the position. As a matter of fact, let's go there. John uh, 4.19. And I'm going to use, it's called the Passion Translation because I like it. Not because it has any greater ramifications than the NASB or the New King James or anything you may be reading. I just like it. <laughs> uh, 4.19. And I do, that's true. Yeah, I never thought of that. <laughs> uh, let me see here. So after giving him water, being revealed that he'd been married, she'd been married five times, how did you know this? You must be a prophet. The woman says, you must be a prophet, so tell me this. Why do our fathers worship God on this nearby mountain? But your people teach that Jerusalem is the right place where we must worship. Who's right? A lot of people say that she was being sarcastic. I don't think she was. I think she saw and, and, and realized this is a prophet of God. This has been burning in my heart for a long time. Where should we be worshiping you? You know, even though she didn't know it was him at the time. She did in a minute. Jesus responded, Believe me, dear woman, the time has come when you will worship the Father neither on a mountain nor in Jerusalem, but in your heart. Let that sink in for a second. We don't come to church to worship God. This is not where he resides. 
You can ask for his spirit to reside here with us, but the reality is where two or three or more are gathered, he there is also. He's here, right? This is why the call for revival always irritates me a little bit too, because we don't have control over that. God's going to do with his spirit what he wants to do with his spirit, and there's as much of his spirit here today as there would be if there was 5,000 people here. When he wants to release it, he's going to release it. So she says, the father is neither on the, or he says, the father is neither on the mountain nor in Jerusalem, but in your heart. Your people don't really know the one they worship, but we Jews worship out of experience for it is from the Jews that salvation is available. So he's speaking to something that's not even happened yet as a representation of himself. From now on, worshiping the father will not be a matter of the right place, but with a right heart. So he's made a declaration about the Messiah without revealing himself yet and then said, because of that declaration of the Messiah and the position of the Messiah, it's not about being in the right place, it's being in the right state of mind and heart. For God is a spirit. He longs to have sincere worshipers who adore him in the realm of the spirit and of truth. To me, that says so much about how we should approach God, how we should pray. You know, it's not about, Father, you said in the word, and then making a declaration. I've been there, I've done it. I'm not criticizing anybody, I'm not. I, what I'm saying is, is that we need to fall back on what the word says, not what we've been taught. I've been taught a lot of crap in the church. A lot. And it needs to be flushed. I would challenge you to do a little journaling. I did this thing about two years ago, and I'm not done with it yet. I, I got an ongoing note right here on my, on my iPad, um, and it's called What I Believe. And I started to write down what I believed about miracles, what I believed about the baptism, what I believed about salvation, what I believed about the gospels, what I believed about the structure of the, of the Bible. Because it's been changed in the Nicene Edict. It's been all messed up. That's why things aren't in, as the Hebrew Bible is. It's not in order anymore, as far as timeline. That's why a bunch of books have been removed. Because it gave power to the church that the state did not want the church to have, so they took a bunch of books out and then said, well, we took them out because they weren't sanctified. They don't line up. Well, I'd rather just read them and figure it out for myself. Let God speak to me about it. Why not? It's called relationship. Um, anyway, that was a little bit of a rabbit trail. Um, uh, it's, it's one of these things where, where this, this, this long-term relationship with God and being able to pray, being able to speak to the Father, being able to get up in the morning and say, Lord, here I am. I'm, you know, one of the best jokes I know is, Father, I've had a fantastic day. I haven't bawled anybody out. I haven't yelled at anybody. I haven't sworn at the dog. I, there's, uh, my attitude has been perfect today. But Father, I'm about to get out of bed. So if you could please help me with the rest of the day. <laughs> yeah. Right? But, but that's a sincere thing. I mean, sometimes that's what it is, right? We have this, we need to speak from a sincere position of the heart and just know that God's right there anyways. He sees it all. He does. 
you know, if I stub my toe and swear instead of speaking in tongues, which believe it or not does happen sometimes, God's right there. Am I going to burn in hell if I die two minutes later? No. He knows my heart. Is that greasy grace? No, that's life. I have a, a repentant and contrite heart right away. Father, I'm sorry for the foul language. Please help me again today. <laughs> right? There's a difference. It's called the condition of the heart. Keep me off anesthetics, yes. Amen, Father. Um, uh, so it shows an attitude, um, you know, um, and what God really wants to do, when you look at what happened with the Samaritan woman, what you, when you look at what happened with Adam and Eve, is a restoration to our original purpose and our original position in Christ. One of the things that happened with uh, Jack and Kay and Dana and I when we first met is, I can't remember the phrasing I used, and I, I've never been able to get it right since, but I said something to them about having a first century church in a 21st century building. Oh, she's got it, she's got it written down. Hang on. <laughs> Did you? Yeah, a new century church with a first century mindset. Um, these people knew who Christ was. They walked with him. Do you really think that after walking with him, seeing the miracles, having the revelation, watching him ascend, descend, and then ascend, um, you know, 40 days, that we have no clue what happened in those 40 days. We, all we know is so many miracles occurred there's not enough paper on the face of the earth to write it down. That is astounding to me. You know, um, it's also astounding to me that with that happening, that other than Josephus and one other person, there's really no mention of it at all in any historical text, which means that editing and uh, what, would you, what do you call that? Selective reporting uh, probably is not a new thing. Because the power that would be given to somebody with that type of authority and those types of miracles going on changed the world. That's the footprint of why Christianity is still with us here today. But do you think that those, those people really, after seeing all of that, would actually stand and say, even to go into their closet, because you're not supposed to be like the priests with the phylacteries and the tassels standing on the corner and saying, Oh, Lord! Help us in our time of travail. No, that's not what we're supposed to do. Okay? What we're supposed to do is we're supposed to go into our closet. What that means is to go to a quiet place. Go to a place of peace. And take the remorse, the grief, the strife, the hurt, or the praise, the worship, the joy, the pleasure, and give that intimately to him. Wake up every day and walk with him. And say, Father, here I am or daddy, here I am, or however you want to phrase your relationship with him is just fine with him. He loves you. You don't have to be religious. Sometimes I don't even use his name. Sometimes I'm walking through something. I can't remember exactly what it was, but I remember walking by the one big tree in my property and I went, I don't understand. And he knew I was talking to him. And I was just voicing frustration of not understanding something. You know, I know it was something to do with my kids, but I can't remember what it was. <laughs> God is the only one who really needs to listen to you gripe about your adult children, trust me. Um, 
Right, Kay? <laughs> And to anybody whose adult children are listening that might have gotten offended by that, wait till your kids get older, you'll understand, you'll laugh later. Um, so how do we talk to them? Well, if you turn to Matthew uh, 6, and uh, I think I'm going to go with, yeah, I'll go with a different one here, hang on. I'm going to go with the NASB. Matthew 6, 5, and 9. Because this actually goes through the phylacteries and the tassels. When you pray, you're not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in synagogues on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you're praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do. For they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. Stop and let that sink in for a second. How many times have we gone to prayer meeting and we haven't seen any results? So the next week we pray the same thing all over again? But we changed it up a little bit because we think we got some more revelation on it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not being critical. I'm really not. I'm, I'm just speaking the truth of who we are as people. We, we, we sometimes forget that he is the divine maker of the universe. And then in going to him, if we're crying out, if we're really not just sitting there and saying, Oh, Father, please touch Lewis. He has horrible pain in his back. And I just want to see Lewis healed. And then next week it's, Oh, Father, please touch Lewis. He has horrible pain in his back. And I just want to see him healed. And it's over and over and over again. Okay? That's one thing. But if God has touched your heart, if he has touched your spirit, if he has caressed your inner man and said, you need to reach out on behalf of Lewis. And when you come, you'll go, God, I can't understand why Lewis hasn't been touched yet. Can you please touch him? And the next week, you may say the same thing. But there's a difference. Do you understand the difference between those two spectrums of what was just said? One is we're just spilling off rote because we've been taught someplace that if we believe the word of God and you say it enough, Sooner or later, that Christian witchcraft is going to produce something. Hear what I said? Because that's what it is. That's the background I came from was witchcraft. So let me tell you this. I understand it. Christian witchcraft is a real thing. That's, that's what that is. If you delve in that too long, it'll take you down a path that will mess you up thoroughly. And it's hard to come back. I will go as far as to say this publicly. There is a large portion of the faith movement that is nothing but Christian witchcraft. That's just a reality that the church needs to accept and realize and see, know, and move away from. But if you have relationship with God, if you've gone to that private place, to that quiet place, 
and you've allowed God to speak to your spirit, then when you come forward, you're going to have an impassioned desire to move and to see a result and a change. And God is aware of that because he put that in you. But that's called allowing your emotions to open up, being restored to the fullness of who you are in Christ, and then being able to express that back to him in thanks by giving him what he's given you. This is important because it spreads throughout all of the reality of who we are as Christians, as followers of the way, okay? As someone who is living, how did I phrase that? In a... In a new century church with a first century mindset. I love when God gives revelation and then you can't remember it because it takes away all the arrogance and all the pride of anything you would try and put on it. <laughs> it's just gone. <laughs> so if we say that, then we need to ask ourselves, well, okay, how do we pray? Well, if you read a little bit further on, actually, let's go to Luke. Um, uh, we're going to go to Luke 11. And uh, one through four. And then we're going to go a little further. So Luke 11, it says, It happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place, after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say. Now understand this. Just a little background. This is actually a Hebrew teaching style. This is not what you should pray wrote. Okay, so what the Hebrews do is they actually give a subject. And then they allow you to expand on the subject. So each of these is a segmented subject. So Father, hallowed be your name is a subject. That means worship God first, foremost, before you start anything. Worship God, get your place, yourself into a place with the Father. If you can't sing like me, Kay, Laura, anybody, you know, that does not mean you have to sing. You can make a joyful noise. That's fine. That's why he tells you to go into a quiet closet someplace. You just go ahead and... <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But you can make a joyful noise. You can do whatever you want. You can worship him. If he's given you something specific to do that's worship to him, do it. Okay? Um, well, what does it cause when you... Because here's the thing. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. So if you worship God, his kingdom will come. Okay? Your will be done. Your will be done. That's very important. Your will, Lord, be done. So we stop and we say, Father, what's your will on this subject? Can I just say that one of the, one of the things that I find that I've learned over the years... Um, this is kind of, it sounds like it's going off on a tangent, but it connects directly to this. The gifts and callings of God are diverse. And there are many, many people who desire to be one thing and they're not, or they are partially one and partially another. Um, and one of the things that occurs is the prophetic gifting, which is something that every man should have. We're exonerated that in the word, that every man should prophesy. Every woman should prophesy that the prophetic word is a great gift to have. But there's many, many times, especially those of us who pray um, and intercede, 
that we confuse an intercession for a prophetic word. And we will hear things. And God isn't telling us that to declare outwardly. He's telling us that to hold it inwardly and to say, Lord, if this is your will, let it happen. And if it's not your will, change it. And then to continually, because now what that's done is that's, that's the seed that we were talking about it a minute ago. That's the seed that he said inside of you, that you've accepted, that you said, Father, I feel what you're feeling. I understand the depth of emotion you have for this individual. God, I'm asking that your perfect will will be done in this situation. And you continue to pray that through until you have peace. That's called an intercession. But if instead I turn around and I say, Ivan, you have the sin of lust on you, and we're going to cast it off today. Well, guess what? Wrong. <laughs> Not happening. Just blew that boy right out of the church. Because you took what was a sanctified, holy thing, and you took it as a spiritual authority, and you turned it into a power play that then walked somebody out the door. Because you, more than likely, most people, it's not because they're intending to do that, most people believe they're, it's true. They just believe it's a prophetic word. They don't under, well, after all, that's what prophets do. Prophets offend people sometimes. No, they don't. No, they don't. If you're a prophet that offends somebody, I have a message for you, and it has nothing to do with words. It comes in the end of my right foot. And that's it. Period. Dana will tell you. I had an issue with somebody in Okmogi, and it was really good that God's grace was there, because if he had been there when I moved into Okmogi, we probably would have had physical altercations because of the abuse he had put hundreds of people through. God in his grace removed him from the pulpit the same Sunday that we arrived in Okmogi. And he left town. I am so glad. Because it's not something that I would have wanted to do. There is a time for righteous indignation. There is. And the power and the authority of the word of God goes with it. Anyway, getting back to the word. So if you read further... It says, give us each day our daily bread. So what do we pray? We pray for God's will to be done. We worship him. We pray that the perfection of his kingdom would come. We pray for our needs daily. And it's pray from the heart, you know. And then we pray for everybody who has hurt us. And we pray for everybody who may have wrongly done by us or is indebted to us that we feel is indebted to us understand this indebtedness is something that you take on the other person has no idea most times okay um, and then he says and lead us not into temptation so if you pray all these things if you can have an open conversation with God on all these things you will not be led into temptation that's a marvelous thing. That means you can walk your day out in freedom. Right? And after a while, you don't even go through this anymore. I mean, I literally, I'll get up in the morning and I'll say, Father, I don't remember the last morning I haven't woken up and said, Father, thank you for this day. 
even when I'm having a lousy morning. I mean, I got up yesterday morning. Dana, she chuckled under her breath. I don't think she saw me see that, but I, I did see her. She chuckled under her breath. I got up. I'm standing at the end of the bed, and I went to take a step, and my hips went, ooh. And I went, nope. And I looked at her, and I said, babe, I got to lay down again. Not getting up yet, because my back decided to do whatever it was going to do. And I had to lay down for another half an hour, right? But that same time, I went, Father, thank you for this day that I didn't take two more steps and then really injure myself, right? Because I could have. So in that, there's grace. By the end of the day, you can stop and you can say, I've not been led into temptation today. I have a place of grace. I've been living, walking in the authority and the power that Christ has given me. I think it's really interesting, and I won't go into all the details of it because it's a little bit longer, but we end it right there. That's where we end it. Oh, well, that's how we pray. Okay, that's great. That's wonderful. And that's not actually what the scripture does. He says, then he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has come to me from a journey far away and I have nothing to give him. And from inside, he answers and says, don't bother me. Don't you see my door's locked? My children are in bed. My wife's sleeping. I'm not getting up to give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you anything because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will get up and he will give him something. And it goes on to talk about the relationship with the Father and the different things that persistence brings. So how do you reconcile that with, well, he just said a little while ago, don't pray unceasingly like the Gentiles. Well, it's because again, condition of the heart. If God has put that passion in your heart to pray for a subject, pray it through. Pray it through until it's completely and totally done. When the heart of men and women become the heart of God, and hear this, please. When the heart of men and women become the heart of God, nothing will be denied. That's what the scripture says. That's not rote scripture, that's Sean. But that's what the scripture says. He says, when you release yourself to me completely, I will deny you nothing. I will deny you nothing. And you won't have to worry about what you're praying. Is it right? Is it wrong? Because it's coming from your heart. And God says that he's in control of your heart. He knows it before you do. So that's what I have today. I just want to really encourage everybody in these last days when words mean nothing, they're getting skewed and spewed everywhere. We have a place of peace. We have a place of solidity. We have a place where we can go and we can find sanctification and shelter in the Word of God and in His prayers. Leave me in a hard spot? Are you, are you saying that I can't have my Cadillac? Or? 
Oh, okay. Did God say you were supposed to have a cabin? No. Okay, there you go. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, I don't want one either. <laughs> Hallelujah. Good word. Thank you. Thank you. That's his word. It's, uh, I like his teaching style. It gives us good thoughts. So, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for opening it up to us we can understand and know and follow you and into your path and I was just uh, that part of the word where uh, God reveals things to people to pray intercessions Intercessions are not to be shared. You, like intercessions may come together and pray, but intercessions are not to be... Uh, God didn't show you something to pray against. He showed you something to stop something from happening. Or to happen. So be careful with what God gives you. Ronnie and I discussed this this week, even uh, that we need to be careful how we handle other people, even. So that comes with the intercessions and the prophetic word. And so praise God. Amen. That's not too harsh, is it? <laughs> Hallelujah. Father, thank you again for your word and for your revelation of the word. And uh, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's make our declarations. We talked about making declarations. These, this declaration is the word of God. We're not conjuring up something this is what God says and says as we have given back to the Lord a portion of what he has given us we declare he teaches us to profit and leads us in the way we should go the Lord gives us power to make wealth and supplies all our needs according to his riches and glory we bless Israel and pray for the peace of Jerusalem and as he blesses us, his way becomes known on the earth and salvation among all nations. Lord, we are believing you for jobs and better jobs, raises and bonuses, debts paid off and sent for wealth, prosperous businesses, our vats filled with oil and our coffers with gold, expenses decreased, blessings increased, heavens opened, earth invaded, Signs, wonders, miracles, and angelic visitations. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, thank you for more than enough so we can give into your kingdom, co-labor with heaven, see Jesus get his full reward. Amen.